for instance, next week at Pebble, you got to go in there fearless, right? I mean, isn't that your intention? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, it's easier said than done. Like, that's definitely well, the mindset you want to go into it. Like, I've, I've played at Pebble before. I've played there well. I know I want to win. I know I can win. And that's something you tell yourself. But once you set up on the first tee and, you know, those nerves start coming and if you hit one bad shot, you just get disappointed and all those, you just start to tumble down. Obviously, you try and ignore those stuff. And I don't want to talk about negatives before next week, but... Yeah, of course. Like going into next week, you you got to tell yourself, I can do it. Like I know I can win and I know I've been playing well. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes that's just easier said than done. Like it's mind over matter. Damn, man, that's just a lot of pressure. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another brand new episode of Par 3 Podcast. We're recording live from Las Vegas at the Wynn Resort at Blue Hour Studios. I am one of your hosts, Ben Baller. Got my man, Stephen Malbin here next to me, and my dog, two-time NBA world champion, J.R. Smith. Today, very special episode. We have LPGA player, Allison Lee in the house. You can see her at the U.S. Open in Pebble Beach. Welcome, LPGA player, Allison Lee. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. And she's Korean, y'all. Yeah. Hanguk <laughs> power. Mm-hmm. Talk. So let's talk about the last your last tournament. I'm from Jersey, so uh, I, I play ball to straw a lot. And like, what did you just think of the course and the conditions and like Northeast golf? I I personally love Northeast golf. Um, like there's so many good golf courses out there. Last week specifically, they made ball to straw so hard. Yeah. Like to the point where I could literally cry in the <laughs> middle of the round because no matter how, I mean, certain holes too, even if you have a good shot, you have to land it in the right place. You got to place it in the right spot. You got to make sure you're in a certain part of the fairway too. So you have a good angle into the green. Um, even around the greens, there's no like fringe just goes green straight to rough even on the fairways too no first cut straight to rough so it was a good test um me personally I feel like I could have played a lot better so a little disappointed but um I just think it's super cool to be you know a women's professional golfer this day and age I mean we've been playing amazing golf courses ball to straw we're playing pebble next week I mean it just you can't get any better than that so yeah, that's great. Uh, I was I was just coming from Napa and I was literally watching the tournament and because obviously knowing the course and I was just sitting there like that place looks incredible right now. So I was I was a little jealous, but at the <laughs> same time, just like I'm glad I'm not playing. Yeah. <laughs> I know I was going to say if you're jealous, you can go over there right now and play and see how it is because it was hard. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it was great. Um, Baltusrol is a cool place. Um I mean, running, the girl who won, I mean, she had a great week. Um, a lot of good girls were there in contention. And I think, I thought it was a pretty interesting Sunday. So hopefully we get to go back there soon while I'm still playing golf at some point in the future. But um, really glad they were able to open it up to us. Nice. You're young. You, know, you got a long time. <laughs> I don't you know. Got, you got a while. So um, you're from LA. Mm-hmm. Koreatown, that's dope. And uh, you moved to Vegas a few years ago. Like, what made you want to decide to move over here? 
So I'm, I turned pro in 2015. So this is my ninth year on tour. I know you said I'm young, nice. but I'm 28. Um, yeah, this That's is my young. ninth year on tour now. Uh, my rookie year, I was still at UCLA. I was still in school at the time. And I thought, okay, let's just stay in California so I can pay in-state tuition. I had a really good rookie year and I saw my tax return at the end of the year. And I said, I can't do this anymore. Um, so I, I bought a house in Vegas right away and I've been here for about seven years now. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I mean, in general, you must have played a lot of golf in Southern California. Do you like, you like SoCal golf better or, or this desert golf? I love West Coast golf. Um, we have a few courses here in Vegas that aren't very deserty. Like Shadow Creek doesn't seem like a desert course at all when you're no. out there. I practice at Southern Highlands. Um, not a super deserty course either. Um, but yeah, I mean, my favorite golf is Northeast golf and West Coast golf. So Pebble's going to be awesome. I love a lot of the courses in San Fran, um, LA too. Being at UCLA, we got to we got a great rotation. We were able to go to like Bel Air, Brentwood, Hillcrest, Wilshire. Got to go to LA Country Club a couple times a month. So nice. It was That's it dope. was nice. Yeah. My dad was a professor at UCLA for thirty three years. Oh wow. Yeah, Asian history. But he always talks about Northeast golf, and that's the only place besides the Midwest. I've never, because I'm so new, I've never played out there. But he always talks about, like, I mean, I believe him because he started me in golf. But he talks about Shinnecock or the Hamptons and stuff. I'm like, really? It's better than, like, West Coast or Florida? And he's like, bro, it's the best golf. So I, I don't know. I, I've yet to play in the Northeast. but Yeah, I think you'd love it. Um, you need to take a trip out there and spend a couple weeks. Yeah, you, you'll, you you'll need definitely... a few weeks. Yeah. A few weeks just to get on. Very <laughs> yeah. difficult to get on these courses. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. I just saw this video and I posted a, a rethink. And I didn't know New York golf right now was that bad. Four hours waiting for a range or a cart and um to get a tea time even at 7 a.m. to whatever time it is. It was it, I thought it was I thought LA was the worst. It is way worse in New York. I had no idea how bad it was. I, I you know, it was I felt bad for them. Mm -hmm. So many people, not enough golf courses. Yeah, that's what they were saying. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's like that all over the place. I mean, we've seen it now too, like on our tour and the PGA tour, like you see more people playing golf, um, watching golf, like appreciating golf. Because I know for me, like growing up in LA, I was embarrassed to tell people I played golf. Like I, I started at a very young age and I remember going to school and I got into golf very early and I got in serious really early. And whenever I would have to miss school to play a golf tournament or something, I would tell my teacher and ask for work in advance to get homework done, whatever. And teachers would always look at me up and down and be like, golf, like you're playing golf. Like who, like who cares about that? And I, I remember telling my friends growing up too, and I got made fun of a lot. So even in high school, when I, I committed to UCLA on a full scholarship my sophomore year, and I didn't tell anybody, I didn't tell any of my friends in high school that I was getting a full scholarship to UCLA because I was still embarrassed. And it wasn't until I was in college where I felt like, like being an athlete, like at a university, I just felt a little more appreciated because there's, you know, you're surrounded by other great athletes too, like in different sports. And um, I finally felt then like, I was like, oh, okay, I guess what I do is cool. And uh, people appreciate it. People asking me if I want to go play with me or stuff like that. So yeah. Fuck that. I would have flexed that so hard. That's crazy. <laughs> you got made fun of that. That's yeah, but golf's not like... I can't imagine growing up in LA, but like growing up in LA and being like, oh yeah, I play golf. It's like, everyone's like, what the fuck do mm -hmm. you do that for? <laughs> right? Like you go out on the like 
Valencia by yourself and hit balls for seven hours a day after school. Like, it doesn't sound so fun, mm -hmm. especially 15 years ago. But I think now it is like, obviously playing at UCLA and being like a star on the golf team and being like, you know, LA is very like into their athletes and such, right? So like, I, I remember seeing like people at Wilshire, like the college teams practice or seeing like, Amari and them practice at Rolling Hills when I go back and just seeing like the advantages they get or like <clears throat> my friend Jackson Rivera, he plays on um, SC golf team and they gave him a membership as part of his like, um, like they're, he's like a really good golfer. So every golf team wanted him around the country, but they were like, look, if you come play for us, you can be a member of Riv the entire time you're wow. at, you know, SC playing golf. So like, what a cool market to play in and all of those courses, Hillcrest and Wilshire and Brentwood and, and all of it. And we met, I was, um, I'm obviously like a fan and have been of yours. And the first time I think we met was when you were playing at Wilshire, the tour event. And we had a shop on Fairfax and you guys mm -hmm. came. I was like, we made it like Allison Lee is at our <laughs> shop. Like it's over. We fucking, we're here. So thank you. Thank you. You gave no, us a lot of nice. confidence, my mm -hmm. wife and I. And it's great to be here with you. We'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Long Drink, the finished drink. And it definitely makes your drives go longer. And you can get yours today at www.longdrink.com. Super refreshing. If you could speak to your younger self, what would you tell her? Um, that's a good question. Um. How young are we talking? <laughs> Say 12. 12? 15. 15. Because you're talking about sophomore year, you know what I mean? So okay. let's, let's um, go there. I guess trust the process. Um, you know, I I worked very hard when I was young, like playing golf. I, I didn't really have a childhood. Korean parents? Yeah. Um, so I definitely worked hard all the time. There were definitely moments where like I hated my parents. I just like wanted to quit golf. I wanted to quit school. Um, and give it all up. And there are times where I struggled as well. I mean, when I, I had success at a very young age, like I, I played really good when I was eight, nine, 10, I qualified for the U S open when I was 14. Um, so I showed success at a really young age. And I think it, I don't know, like, I just felt like I didn't appreciate it enough. Like I, I think when you're that young and you're playing good and you just kind of forget like how well you're doing and you don't really appreciate everything and you just demand more. Like you just keep wanting more and more and more. And that ultimately led me to struggle. And that struggle was really difficult for me. And even now I still, you know, struggle with golf, like from a mental perspective here and there. But um, I guess if I tell my younger self, I guess just be really appreciative and like enjoy the process, I guess, and um, not be so hard on myself. Yeah. You know, we had Michelle Wee on a show early on and we're a lot of, obviously, any household that comes with the same cultural background will have a lot of similarities, but the Korean ones are, are, are very, and there's a big age gap between us, but it's pretty much the same, right? Like how tough they are with education, whether it be playing the piano or playing golf or whatever it is. And I know what it's like, right? And like, so now that you have, that you are a professional, do you ever go back to your parents and be like, well, thank you for pushing me. 
but damn, man, you know, you push me really hard, mm-hmm. you know, just like, do, 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 have you guys, do you guys have uh, those conversations at all or? Um, not really. I think, um, my parents are both very different. Like I, I, I'm very grateful. I have a really good balance. Like my mom, like she's the more loving, caring down to earth, talks about her feelings, all that stuff. And That's my rare. dad is like very opposite, you yeah. know, he's just very stone cold, like very strict. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, once in a while now, I mean, I have a great relationship with my parents now, especially my mom and with my dad too. We talk all the time. We, we I talk to them on the phone almost every day. But once in a while, I'll bring up to my dad like, oh, remember that one time when like you yelled at me because I made a three putt or something like, and he'd be like, no, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, yeah. No, it, it, it just, you know, you, you think about how hard they are on you, especially Korean dads. You know, and you're a girl, so you got to be a little softer, right? You know, but yeah, I just was, was curious because, you know, there's no emotion. There was like, we didn't really hug each other in the house and stuff like that. There was no like, oh, I love you. It was like, it's mm-hmm. just different when, in the household. So I was just curious. It's just a, a built different type of thing. Do yeah, they travel but, with you? Yes. Um, probably all the way up until I was like a senior in high school. Um, either both or one of my parents traveled with me to tournaments. Because um, it's, I mean, when we played AJGA growing up, like we still need to get a hotel, rent a car, all that stuff. Like I needed my parents there. And at the time, like 15 years ago, it wasn't super accessible where they gave us like a place to stay or they provided us transportation when they're that young. So my parents definitely had to come with me and it was very expensive, you know, um, it added up. Now I think they have a lot of good programs to help kids and younger um, junior golfers like fund going and traveling to tournaments and stuff like that. Um, but it was definitely rough and it was hard. Um, and yeah, I'm really grateful that my parents, I mean, we didn't grow up with a lot of money or anything. So they saved every last penny for me so that I can play golf and travel and compete. Um, yeah. But now over the last nine years on tour, do they come to a lot of the tournaments? Yeah, they do. Um, my rookie year on tour, my dad came to like every single tournament with me. (laughs) I couldn't do it anymore. I, that was rough because, you know, like I said, my my rookie year, I, I wasn't making a ton of money yet. So we would just share a hotel room. I would wake up five hours before my tea time. He'd be like, okay, let's go the course and practice. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. But now they come to a lot of the West Coast events. They'll be at Pebble next week. Um, so it's nice to have them out. Yeah. And do they walk with you or, or stay mm-hmm. a hole ahead? Um. It depends. My mom and dad don't like to walk together because <laughs> mm-hmm. my dad will just scowl and, and probably complain and my mom doesn't want to hear it. So my mom walks all the way up and then my dad stays back and probably watches <laughs> me hit every shot. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. That's, so, that's, that's how JT's parents are. I'm not going to watch. <laughs> they stay a, a hole ahead. Whole, his, the mom is always ahead and pops is watching every single swing. <laughs> Mom is over there, a nervous wreck, like, please, 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 please. And Pops is over there like, damn it, you should have left side of the fairway. You could have did this, you could have did that. It's, it's hilarious. It must be nerve-wracking, though, like, as, like, I have kids now, so, like, when Remington does, like, the drive chip putt, like, it is the most fucking nerve-wracking thing I've ever experienced in my life, watching him get three drives, three chips, three putts, and, like, he trains all year for nine shots, you know? And when he like steps up and like blows the first drive out, out of the, you know, the driving area, right. And gets zero points. It's like, <gasps> then like, I, I can barely even fucking handle it. So like as parents, like 
watching your daughter, you know, miss a short putt and like you feel there, it's almost like more nervous for the parents than it is for the players. Like the players, it's like, whatever, I missed the putt. Like I can birdie the next hole. I'm fine. But for your mom watching, she's just probably like, oh, poor Hellas. Like they want to like run out and give you a hug. Like it's wild to, to, to think about your parents following you on tour and like the roller coaster for them, let alone you. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, those are emotions. Like there's nothing you could do about it. Like, I mean, I know my daddy's very emotional. So growing up too, like he would caddy for me once in a while. And if I had a bad shot, he'd be like, <laughs> you know, like getting upset. I'm like, well, how is that going to make me feel any better? But I actually caddied for my boyfriend a couple of times now because he likes to play in a lot of amateur events for fun. He played golf in college and I caddied for him a couple of times and uh, he would make a mistake and I would get upset just like my parents did. Damn. And, and I, I didn't even realize it, you know, and he'd be like, oh, why are you acting like this? Like, you're not, you're making me more nervous. And I was like, oh shit. Like, I guess this is what my parents do. And yeah. I would get upset at them for the same reason. Um, but yeah, I just, just can't help it. I sometimes. think your whole life you're like, I don't like that my parents do this. I'm never going to do that. <laughs> and then at one point you're like, holy shit, I'm doing the exact same thing that like, my parents did. Mm-hmm. that's probably exactly it it's like yeah. where do you get it from i wonder you know it's like your dad like <laughs> looking at you like what the fuck's wrong with you mm-hmm. you're doing it to him and he's yeah. probably like i need a new caddy <laughs> yeah <laughs> this isn't gonna work i'm gonna you're gonna end up like breaking up if you yeah. keep caddying for him you've been like really open about like you know struggles with you know mental health and continuously you know the proper the pressure to keep your card and losing it and bringing it back like how do you like what lessons did you learn as you know as an individual not even just like as a person like a professional golfer because everybody sees professional golfer next to your name they don't think you have a bad day on a course or you're not going through anything like just as a you know a regular person how do you how have you dealt with that what are some of the lessons you learned um I would say lessons I've learned first off um it just gave me a lot of perspective on life um you know, growing up, all I did was play golf. I was, I, you know, from a very young age, right after school, go straight to the golf course, sleep, wake up, same thing over and over again. And it always came easy to me. And the first time that it became hard, I just didn't know how to handle it. And I, I couldn't. And I, I thought, I mean, I just thought my world was ending. And finally, when I was able to get through it, I just learned so much. Like you just learn everything I'm going through and the struggles I was going through is literally nothing compared to what other people are going through or all the other struggles people face every single day. So just open up my world a little bit because I feel like in any sport you play, and I know with golf, like it's so easy to live inside a bubble. Um, You know, every week we travel to a golf course we see the same people we do the same thing every week and it's so easy to forget about life outside of that um so what really helped me too was you know having a lot of friends from different walks of life and just having conversations with them all the time and really understanding that there are so many other even like talking to a friend who is a teacher or something and her talk about the bad day that she had and just understanding, okay, so the bad day I had almost sounds like nothing compared to what she went through. 
And like, just because I had a bad shot or missed a putt or had a bad hole or something, like it's it's literally nothing compared to what people are going through. So it's just gave me a lot of perspective. And I feel like it just opened up how my mind works and how I deal with certain people and like everyday, like day-to-day life, like how I can like understand someone or just have like a little bit of sympathy for other people instead of just, I mean, a perfect example too would just be talking to a friend. Like sometimes this happens. A few of my friends on tour, um, after the round, if one of us has a bad round, like, well, we each have like just a couple minutes to vent about our bad round and then that's it. But sometimes you do get carried away, right? Like I'll, <laughs> I'll be sitting next to a friend. I'll, I played better than her, but I'll just be like, oh my God, I played like shit. I did this and I did that and I did this and I three putted. And then I remember like, oh wait, she played worse than I did. Yeah. So I should probably calm down or vice versa, right? Um, so it just gives you a little bit of perspective. And I feel like I just appreciate my life a lot more and I just appreciate like other people a lot more. Yeah, Who are like your main buddies on tour? Um, right now I would say, um, the Cordas, Jessica, Nellie and Megan, we each all have a matching tattoo together that we got last year. So usually we all either room together or get dinner together or play practice rounds together. The four of us. Where did you get the tattoos? Like not where on your body, but where's like, you got them all together. Yeah. We were, uh, at CME last year, our tour championship at the end of the year in Florida. And we got a little lightning bolt tattoo together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Amazing. Can we, yeah. <laughs> let's, no. let's go back to what JR was saying. And, I, and um, it, it got me thinking when I researched something about you, but you said uh, not many understand how dark and lonely it is for professional golfers. Elaborate. Like, tell me what you mean by that. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, so our first major of the year, Chevron, Um, it was in Houston, Texas. It was, it used to be in Palm Springs, but they moved it to Houston for the first time this year. I roomed by myself. I had a hotel to myself. I didn't, I just picked a random hotel. Like I didn't really have any friends staying at the same hotel as I was in. And I missed the cut and my flight wasn't leaving until Sunday. So I had a morning tea time, I think on Friday. So I knew well in advance that I was going to miss the cut and I just go back to my hotel room by myself. And then I see all my friends playing well. And I, I just basically sit there alone. <laughs> so that's like the definition of being alone, right? But I mean, and then Saturday comes and like, like I said, all my friends are playing. And I'm happy for them. I want them to do well. But then I'm really disappointed because, gosh, that should be me. Like I should be out there playing right now. Um, so like those are like specific moments where it does get lonely. And I mean, it's just a direct correlation to how you play. Right. I mean, if you're playing great, you just feel good. You feel happy. I mean, even if you're sitting alone and you shot 65, who cares? You're feeling good. You don't feel lonely, but it's like the days where that don't go so well. And you're just kind of, you don't really have anyone to lean on because it's an individual sport at the end of the day. Like you don't really, like you have great friends out there who will be there for you. Like, but you don't really have necessarily teammates who. No, cause everyone's out yeah. for themselves. They, mm-hmm. they, everyone wants to win. But I, what, what I'm thinking is like, that's so Korean in certain ways. Like, nah, fuck this. I'm going to punish myself and sit <laughs> in this room by myself. I mean, you obviously probably could afford to either do a standby or just get on an earlier flight. You ever thought about that instead of staying in the room by yourself or. Yeah, no, of course. <laughs> I ended up leaving on Saturday, but still it's yeah. that time. No, where, I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trust me. Yeah. Or even like, even this past week, um, coming back home 
from Baltusrol, my flight got canceled. I was supposed to come home on Sunday night. My flight gets canceled. I'm in the airport walking around by myself. I don't know what to do. Uh, they can't really rebook me for Monday or Tuesday. Oh, man. I ended up like renting a car and driving two hours to Philly and spending the night in Philly to like catch a flight on Monday night and finally made it back here Monday night. So it's like, I mean, I have to do that all alone. I have to, I mean, there's no one there who can help me or be there with me through the process or hold my hand. I had a mental breakdown because <laughs> I didn't know what to do. No, that's <laughs> tough. Downplay. Where's that's the caddy? Where's your caddy that I met? What's his name? Uh, Tyler. Tyler. I met mm -hmm. Tyler and Avion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he, he lives in Minnesota. So he, his flight got canceled too. So he, he like know, took he a home. bus home. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, just, Allison. Yeah. But it's just stuff like that. You know, like you just have a lot of time you spend alone. And like when you have, whether it's a missed flight or if something bad happens or you don't feel good, like you don't really have someone there, like a companion who you can spend time with to make it better, I guess. Or No, that, that shit hit different when you said that. It, it, yeah. it, trust me. And the worst thing is, is when a flight is canceled. Like some people say, oh, well, the people starving. The people, listen, I'm not talking about all that. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I've worked real hard to get where I'm at in life. Where I'm at right now is not by accident. And I'm speaking on behalf of four of us. You know, you, you, you expect certain things. You demand certain things. At the same time, you know, Phil Jackson said, if you have no expectations in life, you'll never be disappointed. I'm kind of like, no, nah, fuck that. Like, you know, you should, if, if you work hard, you should be rewarded to a certain extent, not be entitled. But having a flight canceled and being stuck somewhere, especially for like days, that, that's, that's nerve-wracking. You know what I mean? Because you, that's... Yeah, and for me too, like they wouldn't give me my golf clubs. Like I couldn't oh, get my suitcase. Man. I ended up flying home on like a spirit flight. Oh, <laughs> man. With Hideki? No, I'm playing. I'm just... He actually, drove, he actually flew the plane. Um, and then my, my clubs actually thankfully arrived last night. So all as well. Um, but just stuff like that. It's just frustrating. Um, especially for Damn, us. Damn. When but when you're Use luggage. Your clubs, bro. You can keep, you keep my luggage. Yeah. Give mm -hmm. me my sticks. Mm -hmm. That's all I want. What about like coaches and do you have like mental coach? Do you have like how deep does your squad go? Um, I do have a coach. Um, he, he comes out to a few events a year. He was just out there last week. Um, I have worked with a few mental coaches here and there. All had, you know, different types of philosophies and stuff like that. I, I didn't really, none of them really stuck with me um, that I felt like I needed to continue working with them. But I, I work a lot on the mental side with my swing coach as well. He helps me with everything. I, I, we've been working together for probably five years now. Like he's the best. Chris That's Mason, he's amazing. Um, he literally brought me back from the dead from when I was struggling. He, he built me back up from scratch. So he's helped me so much in my career. And um, that's about it. Just him. Do you ever feel like you could lean on your boyfriend for like times when you're going through some mental issues or you feel like it's just not really, it's too much for him or? Yeah, I would say a little bit. Um, it definitely helps that he played golf growing up um, and he still likes to play and practice and play a little bit on the competitive side. Um, so it's just nice. I mean, it's just nice to have some, to vent to someone and he definitely understands where I'm coming from. Cause I mean, at times like that, if you have a bad round, you just need to yell at someone who'll just listen. <laughs> so he's just the punching bag for me. <laughs> so he's great. Yeah. Do you play against him? Yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. Do you give him strokes? So he's scratch and he hits the ball very far. He, I think his ball speed is like 
190. So he hits it very far. So we'll play from the same tees, no strokes, and just go straight up. And we're pretty, pretty even. Yeah. How Damn. fun. That's dope. I want all this. You hear that, man? Ben <laughs> <laughs> does Jeez. not believe us. He doesn't believe like how like I don't I, I don't know what I did to leave this impression on him, but he, for whatever reason, he thinks like I'm, we are PGA level talent when it comes to just when we're out there playing. And we're trying to give him the difference of hold on, man, what the actual PGA like person like yourself mm-hmm. is. JR is very humble. To, I've played not, rounds with JR, mm-hmm. but I've also played with T10 and better best PGA mm-hmm. Tour players on the tour right now. Then I play with ex PGA players that are good. So I just assess these rounds that I've played with these people. I think JR is fucking really good. You know what I mean? And, and so when I think about it, when I'm playing with somebody who is won a major and whatever, and whatever. Just a major, you know. Yeah, yeah. No big deal. <laughs> like, no big deal. But like, even like jokingly, like I was playing a um, TPC Harding Park. I get the whole 17. I text message Colin. I'm like, hey, bro, this is the Colin Moore Cowell class. They're telling me what's up. And he gets back. He's like, that's definitely my hole, bro. You know, like mm-hmm. we're playing and, and you know, um, I think about it. And I'll think about like someone like J.R. Steven. I'm like, man, these motherfuckers would birdie this hole, man. It just like, you know, it, it just, I just put it in perspective, right? And then finally, when I have a deep, you know, a conversation with these guys and they're being honest, they're like, man, we're just fucking around with you. You know what I mean? We're just out there. We're playing. I mean, we, you know, we're not trying to play bad, but we're just, there's really nothing on the line. Like, what? I'm like, but you're still shooting six under. What you mean? Ain't nothing on the line. He goes, we're, not, we're still playing and, you know, saying whatever. And he's, he's and I'm like, okay. So yeah, I'm just saying, like, I just felt like the conversation that's going on before the cameras got turned on was Justin Thomas shot at 85 at LACC. I was there. Just felt like 85 was kind of a poor score, you know what I mean, for that course, man. I know it's a tough course and the conditions and the, the damn rough was up to my calf. But I just feel like JR and Steven could have shot at 83 on the same day, man. I just felt like, actually, no, it was rain. It was fucked up day. It was a fucked up day that day. But I still feel like these guys could have shot at least an 86. Yeah, I mean, you could be right. To, I mean, you're right. Um, let me explain it to you so to make it on the pga tour you have to be so freaking good oh no i know even to make it on corn fairy the corn fairy tour you have to be so freaking good and there are guys out there who can play a practice round i mean i can call up a couple people we can go to shadow and they'll shoot 63 yeah but that's just that one round yeah for sure to do that four days. four days in a row, to do that under pressure, to do that under all those circumstances is so different than just going out there and shooting 63. I mean, that's why there are so many guys out there playing on mini tours and turning professional and playing Monday qualifiers, playing pre-qualifiers, trying to get into these events because they think they can do it. They truly believe it. Right. Because they'll shoot a low round or they'll have a decent game. And maybe they can, maybe they can, but I would say 90% of guys, like just because you shoot a low round, like doesn't necessarily. It doesn't make mean you... anything. Yeah. Well, we have a mutual friend. <clears throat> I don't need to say his name. He has a course record here. Do you remember when he, when he shot a 58 here? Or do you know what I'm talking about or no? Are you talking about, who are you talking about? Here, Taylor Montgomery? No, Alex. 
Oh, at when? Yeah. Okay. So, mm-hmm. you know, was I bet Devontae Adams oh, and Dexter yeah, yeah. Fowler? You know what I'm saying? Oh. We need you. What's oh. up? Devontae, what's good? So yeah, um, um, when I was talking to him in that same like two week period, you know, I'm like, bro, you still got corn fairy status. And I didn't understand. And I was like, why didn't you return my text or my call? In fact, the funny thing is he texted me with Devante. Mm-hmm. And I was like, he was like, I was at TPC Summerlin uh, doing a qualifier for Shriners. I was like, why the fuck are you trying to qualify, bro? It's just, wouldn't they just bring you in that motherfucker? Like you're good. And I think he shot like one over or something and it didn't make sense that you would qualify. For, I would think you had to shoot seven under to qualify for something, but that was what it was that day. And it didn't make sense of how hard that, that grind was. And so I just, you know, I've seen him and I won't put them on blast, but he's beat a major PGA player winner. So that's why it didn't make any sense. And then he broke it down to me. He's like, listen, you like the NBA? I was like, yeah. He goes, imagine if Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and LeBron James were the same player put in one. Now imagine if 450 players in the NBA were those exact people and that's the PGA Tour. T100 cannot, uh, T1 can't be T100 100 rounds. He won't beat them every single time. It's impossible. That's where the, com- the competition is. When he said that, it kind of messed me up. And even with all that perspective, I still think he would have shot at 84 that last weekend. <laughs> but he could. He probably could. But one day. He, he probably yeah. could have. You're right. That next day would have been 110. The day after that, 115. <laughs> He's bullshit, man. He shot a 77 there. But I mean, just. But you know. obviously, like US Open so different. Like US Open, USGA usually makes it very, very difficult. No, Greens I know. are so firm. Yeah. So fast. Four like, paces off every green. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And, I mean, and even the, pros will make mistakes. I mean, that happens to the best of us, right? Like, you, you can't expect someone like Jay to always play good because sometimes bad days happen and that's just how it is. But when I pulled up on Saturday, so the cut had already happened, I was going down to the hole and I was at hole one. And then I remember I was like, everyone's like, hey man, let's go to hole 15. Let's go to hole 15. I was like, why? He goes, a 91 yard par three. I was like, they have a 91 yard par three. And I was like, Psh. I was like, bro, I did that 10 times. I said, my worst would be a fucking bogey, double bogey, easy, no problem. This is corny, man. I'm watching that stupid hole. We get to the hole. I saw the landing area. 91 yards. Cam Young is hitting a shot. It was the smallest green. And then in front of that bunker, bunker, behind it, bunker. And I was like, yo, man, this is stupid, bro. This is, they didn't even make it, you know, people are going super far right, super far left. And they're just trying to get par bogey. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, and then like right before that, right after they had to, like a couple holes before that, they had the 290 yard par three. So I'm like, man, this course is bullshit. So maybe you're right. It might've been a tough for you to get it. Ben, I'm starting to think you're like the typical amateur golfer who watches <laughs> pros and you're like, oh, these guys are not good. No, they are. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. It's just okay. to hear a 91 yard par three in mm-hmm. a major, I'm like, you know, yeah, because it's a chip shot, right? I don't know. It's a, it's a, I don't know. It's it's it just was. But in golf, they like you can get better at golf, but golf never gets easy. So like with pressure and people watching and millions of dollars on the line and your coaches watching and your parents watching and everybody else watching and cheering for you in your hometown and you got to hit a eighty-two yard little pincher wedge, like that's never going to be easy. No. For them, Especially it is. under pressure too. No, you, you, can get, think. you can get better at it, but it's never easy. Even for Allison, like it's not easy to hit an 82 yard wedge like under pressure. No. It's like 
You but, still have to pay attention and like. You did it last week in front of everyone. You didn't even fucking practice. You, yeah, but you got to think. I'll give though. you an example. Remember when we did the Justin Thomas, I mean, Justin Timberlake shit here? Yeah. So they had, I don't know, 30 golfers, right? There was like a bunch of like scratch. There's like two handicaps, three handicaps, four handicaps, JR, et cetera. So there's a mob of people. They set up the pin. What was it? 50 yards? Something like 50 that. yards over the lake, this little tight ass pin. Michelle won it. We, she hit three shots. All of them were within three foot. <laughs> All right. Everyone else is like sculling it, chunking it. You're talking a three handicap, sculling it over the fucking green. I the hit next, it fat. I was short. Fat. He hit it in the water. So, like, the difference between like a, a, a major champion pro golfer like Michelle or anyone compared to like a two handicap. It's like she all hit three, three shots. shots. Yes. Like it's like with three feet, three all feet, all three, three rounds to win. So they took, why do you look skeptical? Yeah. Like she, and dude, it was I'm like, just not playing with her. I just thought about it. I was like, she, she's asked me, I'm not playing with her. And she's her. like talking while she walks up to it. And she's like, ah, oh, this fucked up distance, whatever. And then just like the <laughs> most, Had a few drinks. Yeah. Just like the most perfect easy. wedges you've ever seen in your life, like three in a row and everyone else is chunking it and sculling it. It's like the difference is a big difference. But it's not, and I was going to say, it's not in like, and, and that's just a regular two handicap. The difference between someone who's been on a, on a tour nine years with all your experience compared to somebody who's been there one or two years playing in a major, their nerves and under under the gun, under the pressure is going to be completely different than yours. You'll be probably way more poor. Yeah, so this is my perspective on that. Um, especially in women's golf, like you see a lot of younger girls on our tour succeeding right yeah. and playing really well like if you look if you look at our top 20 ranked girls i mean they're all under 30 probably most of them are under 25 and that's just how it is for women's, women's golf you can compete um you know girls mature earlier um even if you're 15 16 if you can hit the ball far enough you can compete with someone like me or anyone on tour um but yeah i mean you 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 would think that the more the more times you've been out there, the more experience you have, you would think that in those situations, you'll be able to accomplish a shot or play better throughout the week. But I don't know, just seeing all these young girls coming out to play and, you know, finding really early success. I mean, they are very talented and they're very good, but I feel like they lack that scar tissue that you build up over there, those I was going to say it. Oblivious to the failure. I don't feel like that. Yeah, they haven't they, had enough experience. Yeah, like they. So they're fearless coming in. Because mm -hmm. Michelle talked about that, remember? But then you finally get that, like, oh mm -hmm. shit! All right, how are you gonna do now, though? Yeah, because because I remember, you know, even my rookie year, I, I had a great year, and you're just out there, like, oh, I'm just happy. I'm out here. I'm gonna try and just do the best I can. And then you start over the years, you start to have expectations, and those are sometimes what pulls you back and. I mean, if you're young and you're playing in a major, you just go out and you aim for the pin. You almost have no fear. <laughs> um, but now, I mean, if you play for years and years, you play the same course over and over again. You've seen yourself hit it into that water, you know, a few times yeah. and you just start to worry about it a little bit more and more. So there are definitely moments where, you know, if it comes down to it, having that experience definitely comes into handy. Um, but I would just say overall, just from a general perspective, you know, having that like innocence and being young and playing out there and just almost playing with no fear and just no, 
um, no expectations can definitely be an advantage. But I mean, you're nine years on the tour now. So when you're approaching, like, let's say, for instance, next week at Pebble, you got to go in there fearless, right? I mean, isn't that your intention? Yeah, of course, of course. Um, it's easier said than done. Like, that's definitely right. the mindset you want to go into it. Like, I've, I've played at Pebble before. I've played there well. I know I want to win. I know I can win. And that's something you tell yourself. But once you set up on the first tee and, you know, those nerves start coming and if you hit one bad shot, you just get disappointed and all those, you just start to tumble down. Obviously, you try and ignore those stuff. And I don't want to talk about negatives before next week. But yeah, of course, like going into next week, you, you got to tell yourself, I can do it. Like, I know I can win and I know I've been playing well. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes that's just easier said than done. Like, it's mind over matter. Damn, man, that's just a lot of pressure. But one of my friends, he's Korean too, Robin, you know, Rishi's on. Mm-hmm. I feel bad, like when she was like kind of going through a little rough patch. And, and um, I try to say encouraging things, not necessarily for golf, but just in general, like if I'm down in life, whether it be in my professional career, what I do, whatever you something, or whether it be being a husband or whatever, anything. Just try to use that and try to give her some positive message, some motivation. But like, sometimes, you know, when you see people that are down, it's like, fuck, it sucks. We, any sport, whatever it is. So I just feel for you guys. And, and um, I heard it. I heard it once that like, you know, like if you think of your golf game, like um, <clears throat> it's like if I go on a dance floor sober and I start dancing, it feels, it doesn't feel great feels like I'm trying too hard. It feels like I look crazy. I'm thinking too much, et cetera. But if I drank a half a bottle of tequila and go on long a drink. dance floor, long drink, <laughs> long then drink. all of a sudden I'm like the best dancer on earth, right? And so it's like playing golf, you have to just have that same like swing freely. Like in, it's, it's very hard to play golf when you like try. You have to just play like, I don't give a fuck. And I'm just going to go out there and make a ton of fucking birdies and like hit the ball. And I don't care how it goes. But it's like she said, it's like mind over matter. And it's a lot easier said than done. You know what I I think will um, stop Ben from asking all these questions? I think if you start playing for more money. I agree. I agree. What's your handicap, Ben? What's your handicap? What'd you say it was? (laughs) I started a new new gin, by the way. What's the new gin say? 28? I wish. 26? 13.2. Oh, Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, but 13.2, he's only played 50 times in his life. If he goes to Shadow Creek, she's going to give you six aside or seven aside. And it's going to be, and y'all play a thousand a hole, she's going to win 18K. I mean, Allison, right? If you imagine. I think if you start playing for more money, you, you need to feel the nerves a little bit. Yeah, like it's he fun. says, he, he, he never three putts. But then if like, <laughs> if you play for a lot of money, mm-hmm. you start three putting. You start realizing that like the three foot putt for a thousand bucks. Go out there and play snake. I'm also a little weird though, Allison. You have to understand that. If people had 15 guns at me, and I know these 15 people killed 3,000 people for nothing. It was nothing. That wouldn't change me. That isn't, he can tell you. He's known me for a while. If there's like extreme pressure, you ever see people when they're walking like on a plank and they're walking on the floor. Mm-hmm. Now they put the plank up 2,000 feet in the air. That's just the mentality I have. Wow. So you're mentally strong? 
I don't know. I've just been going. I've just had a lot of trauma in my life. I'm going to be scared mm-hmm. of shit. I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> Lift that motherfucker off the floor too far. But no, I just, <laughs> you know, I just, I've, 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 had some, I've had some really weird. I think I've been, I've been, I've been lucky too as well. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of luck. Then but you yeah. can do it. Play for money. I Let's just, do I, it I, tomorrow. I just, Let's go play for $1,000 a hole. Yeah, I just never had a chance to. Do you know what I mean? Again, yeah, he's, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm under 60 rounds of, of, of playing. So it's not like it's been a lot. But in one year, I don't really know many people that have played 60 rounds that don't play professionally. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've been thankful just to even be able to do that. But then going through what I've been going through in the last few months, that's kind of like crazy. I'm surprised I'm even standing right now. But, you know, golf has helped me a lot because it really has been something that that's, you know, it's aided me through life as well. You know, I, I literally look at the, the game of golf like with up and downs and shit like that. I look at it like I'm like, all right, this is a lot of so many similarities. And um, I'm thankful that, you know, look, look I'm, I've pivoted my career into this now. So, you know, it, it's, it's crazy for me to give up something that I did so passionately that I became, I won the, I don't know, the major, the, the Academy Award. I won the, the trophy for the best jeweler in the world two years in a row. And, and I just said, man, that shit don't do it for me no more. So now I went to the toughest thing in the world. And don't get me wrong, of course, it's hard, <laughs> but I'm saying like, I, I'm in love with this. You know what I mean? And like the girl we had on uh, Gigi before, she said something that hit so hard. It hit me so hard. She's like, imagine you're in a relationship. We love golf. You love golf so much. You're in love with golf. You're obsessed. You love golf. And golf is never going to love you back. <laughs> I'm like, damn, that's hard. But it, it made a lot of sense. Welcome to the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the rest of your life, buddy. Who's your, who's your goat, male or female? Who's in the game? Um... Gosh, that's, I feel like that's so easy. Um, Tiger Woods and Sari Pack. Um, Sari Pack more so because, I mean, she's why I play golf. Um, My mom's goddaughter. Oh, really? Yeah. No way. That's awesome. But um, yeah, I mean, she was very dominant when I was very, very young. And my dad saw, you know, her rise to being one of the best golfers in the world. And he thought, you know, my daughter can do that, basically. Um, because how my dad thought about it was he always wanted me to play a sport, but he always thought like, okay, what's going to help her in life the most? And from like a professional standpoint, if she were to compete at the highest level, how, like, what is, what can make her the most money? And women's golf has been, our purses have been growing up. We have a schedule that takes us all over the world. And so it's been awesome. And then growing up watching Tiger Woods play, it just dominate. I mean, I favorite he changed the game and made it cool basically for me especially being told that golf was kind of dumb so Still, yeah i'm trying what, to get my girls into golf man what's the favorite part of your game of my game um favorite i would say chipping um i i like to practice chipping i feel like short game in general it takes a lot of imagination and feel and it's just something you always need to work on and can never get perfect at. I mean, you know, you could put a ball down and have a 20 yard chip and hit it five, six, seven different ways. And it's just a matter of if you're on the course, what just looks good to you or what feels good. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's the cool thing about it. That's my favorite. I saw something that like some pro said the difference between going from like, 90s to 80s is this and 80s to 70s is this and 70s to 60s is like having four different chip 
in pitches for any shot, like high draw, high fade, low two bounce check, like all the different ways that you're saying. And like, that that's my favorite thing to do too, is just hit like full swing, you know, flop shots. Mm -hmm. Just that's like never, like it goes back. It's like, you can get really, really good at it, but like it never gets easy hitting the 20 yard pitch off of a tight lie for money mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. like go ahead like i don't mm -hmm, care who you are like mm -hmm. i played with ricky fowler and seen him chunk it mm -hmm, you know like it can happen at any second the difference between perfection and disaster is like nothing very thin line yeah, yeah very very thin line of like mm -hmm. sculling it all over the green or making it mm -hmm. it's like I, I gotta switch this all up completely because i feel like we don't really get controversial at all or enough when and if Liv starts a women's golf league and they offer you a real bag, would you consider it? So, <laughs> um, how do I explain this? So, Golf Saudi and Performance 54 have a partnership with Our Ladies European Tour. So they have, it's called the Aramco Team Series and they have about five, maybe six events in the year. Um, very small purse. It's only a million dollars, but for girls on the ladies European tour, that's huge. Their purses are normally like 300 K. So that's more than three X what they normally play for. And then they give quite a few LPJ girls, a very nice appearance fee to go over there and play. And the tournaments are very well run. I'm sponsored by Aramco team series and golf Saudi. Right. Um, so I've played a few of their events. Um, I've, you know, had dinner with Yasser a couple times. He's a great guy. He says he loves golf. Um, it's to me, um, I think he really truly wants to grow the game and he just loves the game himself. Um, obviously what they've done on the PGA Tour is very controversial. I don't know the ins and outs of what this new deal will mean. I know there's been a lot of questions on our tour about what this potentially will mean for us. Right. Um, we don't have any answers yet. I don't think there have been conversations per se about what okay hypothetically happen. let's say he's like listen allison i have a hundred million dollars for you leave the lpga you coming or not hundred percent of the girls on our tour will do it and won't will oh 10 out of the 10 top ranked girls on our tour will 100 percent go and 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 that's strictly because of the money i mean the guys they, some of those guys, they don't need to go because they've already made hundreds of millions of dollars. What's another hundred million going to do? Like it won't change their no, life. No, I asked GR the same question. GR's like, I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause for us, I mean, in my career, my career earnings, I've made just short of 3 million and I have my, you know, I've made a good amount of money with endorsements and all that stuff. Right. But I mean, if you're saying 100 million, that's like life changing for me. Yeah, like right? she played yeah, yeah, nine yeah, yeah, years yeah. and made three mil. Yes. So, so someone offers 100 million in one check. I like, just want a yes or no from you. I'm like, of course. You? And okay. I, I can with 100%, we've talked about this on our on our tour, 100% of girls on our tour, if they got offered, will go. But with that being said, that would be the end of the LPGA tour. Oh, damn. Right? So, yeah. I don't think that will happen for us anytime soon. Um, what if it was 25 mil? Would, would, of course. Would, Bro, of course. You, know, I just, you don't, <laughs> I don't know what's going on with you, man. 
Especially for for being a girl, right? Five like, million. There there aren't very many women on our tour who are over the age of thirty five. You know, a lot of the time you start a family, you get older, and you have a lot of young girls coming in. For the guys, they have a champions tour. They make the same amount of money we do. They could play well into their eighties. Yeah. We're not having kids. Exactly. And they can play whenever they want. They don't they don't need to take time off versus certain girls for us too. I know some girls who have had children and women who have had C-section, all that stuff, like after the recovery, like their swing changes, they can't swing the same. Um, their golf game is completely different. They almost need to start from scratch. So like if you're going to offer a woman, especially someone like me, 28, already nine years on tour, any lump sum of money, like I will 100% take it because especially for us, it's an individual sport. There's no guarantee. We have no contract. There's no guarantee. Like if I play the next 10 tournaments and if I miss every single cut, I'm down over a thousand dollars per event after paying my caddy, after paying, you know, hotel expenses, all that. Like I'm if if no, if I, I play can, yeah. a full year on tour, that's essentially I need to put away around 150k a year to fund a full year on the LPGA. Right. So if I miss every single cut, I lose 150k. Right. Right. And if I don't have people to sponsor me. And if I don't have someone who's backing me or if I don't have money in the bank, I can't afford that. So any girl, if you were to offer them a lump sum money, 100% they would take it because we play for $2 million every week. I mean, last week is great. Next week is awesome. We play for so much money. So those weeks are great, but usually week to week. I mean, even if you make the cut and you don't play awesome, you, even though you make the cut, you don't, really make that much money if unless you play, unless you place in the top 20. No, so. I get it. Yeah. I think you're going to win the U.S. Open next week. I hope so too. Be Kobe. Uh, for <laughs> There's no question on the Peloton. Oh, he's just saying wrap it up. Okay, I'm going to bring oh, it up. Oh, shit. I didn't know we were here What does this mean? You know what I mean? I thought he was saying, go to the next question, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> shit. I'm like, we're never going to get out of here because we keep asking them. So you ready? Jen, you want to bring, take it home? JR? JR, take us home. Ladies and gentlemen, that was another episode with the great R3, Ben Baller, Stephen Marlborn. I am JR Smith. With the amazing, talented, and going to win the LPGA. <laughs> <laughs> going to win Pebble next week. Uh, US Open. Open. <laughs> She's going to win Pebble next week. Um, Allison Lee, we thank, we, thank you so thank much. Thank you so for, much, Allison. I really yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much time. for having me. That was a lot appreciate of fun. It. See y'all. Thank you, Allison.